I am Andrew Lithuania, Mr. Mallard. Uh, join me as always, uh, Mr. Chief of Morale himself, Bud Copeland. Bud, how are you this evening before we get So the point being is, good golfers are a fucking dime a dozen, and we saw it in full swing with the line of demarcation between... Yeah, are you ready, Bud? Are you ready for the players? Are you ready to make money? Are you ready to try to beat me? I didn't do my homework this week. We know Bud did his homework this week. This has been a hell of a week for golf news. I am Andrew LeDuc, a.k.a. Mr. Mallard, as always, joined by Bud Copeland, and we have everything you need to know this week. What a hell of a two weeks here in the world of the PGA. Okay, we have everything we know for you. There you week. go. We'll give you everything uh, we know. So we are gonna we're gonna kick it off with some news stories. We're gonna kick it off with a review of the RBCs. But if you're here for the U.S. Open picks and information, you need that stick around. We'll be getting to that uh, fairly quickly in the show. So don't go anywhere. But Bud, how has your week been following all this mayhem? It's been great. Morale's high. It's major mm-hmm. season again. I've been elbow deep in the Ben Hogan kind of a uh, story just because of the connection to what's going on this week. Uh, Riv- he, Riviera was the only other time the U S open was in Southern California and it was like 1948. Ben Hogan won it. Uh, and that was his magical season of 10 wins. And then if you don't know, well, now you know, the, well, no, man, <laughs> do you know, do you remember Paul Harvey? Uh, the name doesn't really sound familiar now. He was like an NPR uh, storyteller, oh. and he did like the rest of the story. He would tell these stories that had like big reveal at the end, okay. like how like Walt Disney killed an owl in his front yard when he was a kid or some <laughs> shit like that. But the rest of the story, where 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 oh Ben Hogan forty nine. If in, in seriously, if you don't know this story, you got to look into it. It was awful. He 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 gets in a car crash on the way back from the Phoenix Open. He's with his wife, head on crash with a Greyhound bus. <clears throat> And he dives across to shield her, which is a good thing. They say the steering column would have gone right through his chest, two fractures in his pelvis, you know, breaks everything in his body. And then he would go on to win like three more U.S. Opens, a handful. He won the British or oops, the the Open Championship. (laughs) And so but it all got started at Riviera because it was also the L.A. Open, yada, yada, yada. No, I'm good. I've been, I've been, like you said, I've been doing my homework. I've been digging into the U.S. Open stuff. And the beauty of this this week is there is, it was a short research assignment because there is no history here. Nobody has course history. The, yeah. the I mean, the only guys you could really make an argument about would be Morikawa and Scheffler from their Walker Cup win in 2017. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's been a fun <laughs> week to kind of look at stories. Uh, really understand the LA Open and how, or not the LA Open, LA Country Club, and how it kind of, it, this is the pinnacle of its resurrection, so to speak. Uh, and, but before we go any further, Adam Hadwin. Yes. So, first of all, we called it right here on this. I mean, it, it was a Canadian. Mm-hmm. I thought I had, I mean, I had Tommy Fleetwood, even though I didn't actually pick him. I was thinking, just cheering for my own prognostications of a Commonwealth winner. Uh, and it turned out to be a Canadian. And I think Nick Taylor had him on the lineup. Him. I know. I'm a genius. You guys. But if you missed it, Adam had when uh, all the Canadians were going, lots of guys were out there, you know, because this would have been a big, this would have been the big win, breakthrough win for Tommy, Tommy Fairway Jesus. I know. Someday. He, you know, 
it's just like, how do you, the story though, 72 foot Eagle putt to win it. And then the Canadians all come rushing on the field or the field, the green and Hadwin just gets demolished. The, uh, the internet has delivered, right? The, the memes are great. Uh, I guess the USGA even has a sense of humor when Hadwin showed up in his locker, I guess they had a helmet and a vest and like a little, a uh, little safety note reminder for him. Speaking of jokes, if you didn't see it floating around to the parking sign for players parking has an asterisk that says, except for you, Joel Damon continue to lot F. Cause I guess last year when he showed up at the U S open, they didn't recognize him. Yeah. How can you not recognize that face? So <laughs> Adam Hadwin gets smoked. Nick Taylor gets it done. Fairway. Jesus comes one breath shy of a miracle. <laughs> And we turn the page to uh, mm-hmm. actually, did you watch any of it? They did a cool little thing in the 14th hole. I think it was called, they called it the rink. You're a hockey guy, aren't you? New England. Yeah, I, watch hockey, yeah. I loved what they did with the atmosphere. They didn't try to be waste management in 16. Mm-hmm. They kept to their own like positive nature. They were singing the Canadian national anthem. Every time a Canadian came to tee up, it was a scene. I think they did their job too in the moment when a bombshell goes off on Tuesday and you're told to go out and perform on Thursday, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the crowd showed up tip of the cap to the Canadians for, for putting on a show. And uh, I'm not going to belittle them by saying it was a great opening act to the main event, but it was a great opening act to the main event. And I kind of <laughs> really do for years to come hope that they back these two, these two championships up because that's a rotating one as well. I mean, it's a similar format where, uh, I heard it earlier. It's a, it was a great, great, great kind of warm up for some of the guys playing this week because you're playing on unfamiliar greens for the first time and it gives you a chance to figure out what is it that you're going to have to rely on. And hopefully that carries over. So I see fairway Jesus getting a lot of love uh, this week and rightfully so. I think he's mm-hmm. primed. there's a lot of guys who are primed. Uh, there's not too many weird storylines. I don't think. Uh, well, and we'll get to our affair. And obviously, we'll get to all the picks later when we get to, to – but Fairway Jesus, just as a sneak peek, under 13% projected ownership and only 7,900. Keep them keep, keep in That's mind. That's juicy. Here's going to be the fallback on this. This <clears> – I was about to go ahead, but this course is long. Um, before yeah. we go any – before we go full bore into the U.S. Open and DFS, what else is going on in that noodle of yours? What else? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not much. What have we but... learned about Liv? You know what I've learned about Liv is absolutely nothing new about Liv. Because that's okay, the, that's, that's the, actually that's, that was a bad that was a terrible that's, question. That's the whole, but that but it's, but it's, it is a good segue because that's the whole point that I want to make sure we hit on tonight is that so many people keep leaning on this being a live merger, and all it I is know. it and all it is is sure the live, live will benefit from the money that is going to be earned. Live, live's not going to stick around. No, they're not going to stick around. But what this but what this does is <clears throat> this creates a. I was thinking about this a lot this week, and this creates a scenario similar in the NFL with franchises and profit sharing. And that's what this is set up so that when Liv does inevitably keep going down and down and further down, it will allow them to stick around for more years than they probably would have because they're going to be gaining some of this money is going to be kind of trickle into them from this other for-profit entity that the PIF has. That's what this sets up for them. It sets up a, a stash like a, a trust fund for themselves to survive a little bit longer than they would have. That's what, that's what this it. does, but it's, but we're not, we're not, I still think they're going to fail eventually, but this isn't going to be a competition merger of tours with a whole new tour name. That's not what is happening here. This no, is a, this, I, this I, is a business I, I, agree. Move. I, I hear what you're saying there. Cause I was, 
Uh, I was about to go down a rabbit hole about how I think it's going to be not even a slow, painful death. I think it's going to be quick and merciful. Uh, here's some parting <laughs> gifts. Here's some parting gifts for you guys who don't have safety. You know, the, the parachutes, the ones who want to reapply here, the hefty fines, and penalties. You know, every, anybody else, Dustin Johnson, have a great life. You know, no, I think all those guys are going to get back in. But I do agree with the whole. Y- y- that brings back up the money and where it's coming from. I'm getting chirped online this past week because I made a stay. I, all I said was like, let's be patient. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. And then over the weekend, some news did come out that uh, it looks like one of the carrots, you know, for, for these, these loyalists to keep them happy is going to be a little bit of equity in this new entity. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how that is designed and developed and rolled out, you know, who gets what and what slice and, how does it get measured? I mean, is is basically, are we all working for tiger now, which I don't think the players would necessarily. And that's where it's kind of like, which, which one of these players is going to get the biggest slice of the pie. I think we all know who it's going to be. And is that going to then be like the de facto players commissioner? And over time yeah. that that's how it's going to kind of be. Whoever's got the most, you know, votes figuratively and literally has the most say and they sit they sit across from Jay instead of with Jay because Jay's on the side with uh Yasser and Jimmy Dunn mm-hmm. and uh the guy from the DP World Tour and they're going to make up this executive committee that's going to run and even even the guy from uh or Yasser from PIF came out and said he's like there's going to be a board but we will not have control of that board. Yeah. And I I and I think that's got to assuage some fears because you got to think that the alliance, quote unquote, between the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour are not going to, you know, there's not going to be any backstabbing there. So, I mean, in, in the political game, I, I, I still don't understand why people are getting so pissed off and upset. The amount of Saudi yeah. money, quote unquote, that floats through our system already uh, in all the sports realms and the business realms. And like, everything. come on, find, find something else to talk about. Yeah, but. PGA. It's it was very clearly stated now over the weekend that PGA will always hold the majority seat on the board of this entity. Whatever we we haven't even know we don't even know what to call it. Yeah. Yet, but so we're just going to keep calling it an entity. I mean, I I think that, and I think Liv's just going to go away. It yeah. it served its purpose. It was a sacrificial lamb. Um, it was the the reason for the antitrust legislation or not legislation litigation that was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of that was one of the walls that was closing in and it worked. And I mean, they I, I don't actually, you know what, I'm done being empathetic about it. I don't understand yeah. the outrage The unless you know what, unless you are one of those 9-11 families and then, you know, that's, you know, by yeah, all means. But I'm talking about Joe shit, the rag man chirping me on Facebook uh facebook yeah no, i think I it was know, on real. facebook actually <laughs> but i still stand by the the thought i had i shared last week and that I, I still think this was that it's now clear to me at least my opinion that live was never something that yasser and the pif really cared about succeeding it was their way specifically his way to get into the pga as as a, a stakeholder investor because the other part of this deal is that yasser now will have a seat on the pga board as well it won't be a majority sheet but he will have a seat on that board as well now and then that's what he got what he wanted out of this he's now in on the pga 
I hope this trickles down to the caddies in some way, shape, or form too. If all of a sudden, if the players are getting equity, or maybe that's maybe there's some weird, weird witch doctor magic that I haven't thought of or not smart enough to understand yet. Where <laughs> when you win a tournament, you get a little slice of the pie. You know, it's like micro, it's like micro ownership kind of yeah. kind of deal. Where yeah, if you have a, you know, even if you have a decent run as a journeyman, it's almost like your little pension. Like over those twenty five years, if you keep your tour card then that equates to this kind of large sum of money, large sum of money at the end. And, uh, or again, your ownership stake and you can just ride it out or sell out however you want to do it. I, I don't know. I, I still find it intriguing. I find it exciting. I don't, I don't, I can't necessarily slow down too much for the political side of it because the reality is it looks like it's moving forward. Now it's been interesting yeah. to hear some of these, some of these answers this week at the press conferences, uh, some of the guys just flat out just being like, I don't know. We were surprised. We're still figuring it out. Other people talking about feeling betrayed. Uh, again, yeah, I, I still, definitely still high, understandably, for some reason. Eh, eh. <laughs> but it, when, I, you, when you're in it like them, and you're like it's this is your daily, and you're and you're yeah. still kind of probably left a little confused at what the yeah. hell is actually going on and what it means for you. I could see why there might still be emotions. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna last, but no. it's still fresh. And I think Jay Moynihan's not going anywhere. I think, so. uh, I think, I think he's, 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 I think that's almost part of the deal here, which is like, you know, we are going to give you, you know, a seat at the table X, Y, Z, because this whole thing started before he was brought in. Uh-huh. That's one, that, that is one detail that came out where he, he kind of said, you know, the conversation had begun when he kind of br- got brought to the table on it. And I think it's, and he, he basically hinted at, it's because of my statements. They knew the conversation would not start if I was in the room for it, for this. So they kind of had to do that thing where they already, they already, you know, they already got the ball rolling and now it's too late. You know, it's going downhill. we got to just keep chasing this thing until, uh, until we get it figured out and they figured it out, I guess it's going to be exciting to watch it, watch it roll out, uh, watch people freak out about the rollout, you know, uh, and all yeah. the other stuff. But to the players who, again, I, I, I think I said it, this isn't the mafia. You don't get, you know, paid for your loyalty. It's like, yeesh, maybe, you know, it, it just may be. Uh, here's the thing is I don't, all these players, I, how could you, how could anybody have seen it coming? Well, there yeah. are some people who saw it coming uh, or I, I never thought, I didn't think it would happen this fast. And I really didn't. That's the thing. We, we kind I of think, hinted I think that we was just going to die. Yeah, we kind of hinted that if they were going to survive, something like this would happen. But we were, we had always said it would be more on the competitive side where they'd fi- figure out the schedule somehow or whatever. But we, one, never thought it would happen just a year and a half, two years into this live venture, or however you want to say, in their second season. And two, I didn't think it was just going to be a business thing. But that's what, like, the details that are coming out are just changing the story. And I love it because we're going to keep finding out more as the weeks go on. This is going to be a story that lasts the entire summer. Did you see how Brooks ended his press conference? I, I did not see that, no. He said, see you next week at the Travelers. And then he got up and walked out. <laughs> so he'll be he'll be playing with Rory this week, which is, or at least in the first two days. Oh, do you have those featured? That, so I, let me, I pull them up, but that was the only one I've heard of so far, but I'm sure they're all out there now. Let me see here. <clears throat> but is it, it is interesting because you, you brought up the, the idea of Maybe they they find a way to to build in like this stakeholder type of contracts for the player or whatever it is, and not to cross sports again because I did it with the NFL earlier, but we we just saw a groundbreaking creative new deal signed by Lionel Messi for the MLS to where 
part of the reason why he just shot down one point was it one point three billion dollars something like that to go play somewhere else was because here in the MLS, yes, his base money was going to be less, but in his part of his contract is that he's getting he's getting cuts from the deal with Apple TV and and like they've worked in all these other business parts to his contract and it's groundbreaking because it's that's not been done with a sports contract before so it it secures like a a business future and interest for him not only in the club but in the mls league itself i'd be curious to see if we start seeing a little bit of talk about something creative like that for the players in the pga speaking of what's you know these creative new deals i'm curious about if remember tiger First of all, we haven't really heard from Tiger yet, but when this whole thing started and and I remember Phil put his, put his foot in his mouth and then Tiger kind of backed him up, but did it diplomatically around the whole players rights and their media and usage and that, I, that just kind of seems to me, there's nobody in the room chirping for that anymore. And it's just go back to the fields mm-hmm. and we'll let, we'll let you know when supper time is. So I, I am curious if the players find a way to, to address that because I mean, in 24-7, everybody has their phones on them now. You know, digital media is is it. And so if they own every single one of those shots and images, you can't use it at all. Uh, or I wonder what the licensing fee is to get it back from them, you know, if, if, if possible. That'd be something interesting to figure out. But I'm curious to see if that issue comes back because, I mean... That's what that I mean. That's what all this nil stuff is about, right? You're going to make money off of my face, so um, I want to make I want to be able to do it as well. And their answer could be, "You're welcome to do anything in your spare time with your name, image, and likeness." But when you're on when you're on the clock, we own the rights, and that's just how it's going to yeah. be. So real fast, he has a few I, I would call interesting groups: um, Shane Lowry, Justin Thomas, and Tommy Fleetwood. That should be a good one. Uh, God save the, same- the king. At the same time, but starting off the back nine, uh, Bryson, um, Tyrrell, 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 Tyrrell Hat, and, and ah, uh, Francesco apart. Molinari uh, making a little appearance here. Uh, that should be another good group. Hold on, who? Uh, hold on, who's here. that? Ty- it's Tyrrell, Francesco, and who? Brooks and Bryson. Oh, Bryson. Brooks A. Uh, oh, this group. Should, I like this group. Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, and Jason Day. That's a, that's going to be an incredibly good group to watch. Yep, and then uh, Colin Morikawa, Max Holm, and Scotty Shuffler. That's another good one. That's going to uh, So, see. fun. Max Holm has shot 61 here when he was uh, played. A lot of Pac-12 mm-hmm. has been played there, so the West Coast guys are going to have some course familiarity, if that matters at all. Morikawa says – SoCal guys who are on my radar specifically because of that this week. I mean, Morikawa is one that – I. It's always hard when somebody goes out because of a tweaked back and this is going to be their first. What happens if he gets out on the range and then, although they're smart enough and they know their bodies at this point, I mean, I would, I would not be shocked to see Max Homa do well. The spotlight's not going to be too big for him. It's going to be hard for me not to, you know, bet on Brooksy. But since we're talking about the LA country club, have you, what have you, have you taken a peek at the course? I will say this USGA yeah. has done a pretty decent job with their website and keeping up with, with the stuff they've got like the they've got some pretty good drone footage did you see the champions locker room and all that stuff la country yeah. club one of the most exclusive uh you know country clubs golf and tennis etc ad nauseum ad infinitum in the country and uh sits in the middle of west la probably somebody somebody asked a real estate agent you know what would you put a value on that i think it's on like 300 acres in, in you know, green space and uh and they just laughed. I mean, it would be in the billions. So 
This was redone by our boy Gil Hans. And I guess he got helped by Jeff Shackelford and some other golf historians to make sure that it was as close to the original design as possible. But this thing is beefy, yes. but it's got, but it's got some quirks to it. You know, the it's scorable again, Max Homa 61, Stuart Hagestead, our, our stew baby, the mid amateur champ. He's a member out here. Uh, allegedly he has the unofficial course record of 59. Okay. So, I mean, if you get hot and don't don't shoot yourself in the foot, it seems to me like this is going to be a place that's going to re reward a hot hand. You know, look out, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Brooksy, those guys, Rory even, if Rory can get his head out of his – no, he's he's trending. And actually, I, I, I like me some Rory this week. Uh, <clears throat> but it's got five par threes, three par fives. Yep. It's still a par 70. I think it's like 7,400 yards, uh, something like that, 7,423 and we're working with bent grass greens and Bermuda rough and the rough apparently is thick and chewy. Yeah. That yeah. it looks nearly impossible. <laughs> so have you, have you dug into the course at all to take a look at some of these holes? Uh, a little bit. And I mean, like you said, it, it is interesting considering there's an extra part three and yet it's still a long course. Um, and part of that is obviously the big, the, the main picture that's been going around this week is uh, the 11th hole, the 290 yard par three. Uh, now, I did talk. I actually did talk to Cutter, uh, Cutter the caddy, uh, previous guest with us about that hole specifically <clears throat> early in the week because he's played that course twice, and he says, "Sure, it is 290, but it, he said it plays downhill a little bit, so that'll that'll take a bit off of it." And he said the the whole green kind of slopes front to back. So yeah, there's like a landing area if you can hit the yeah, apron so and, the, and have it get the, some roll on it. Exactly. So that's going to be the, the play. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, Cause look, if the rough is just as thick around the green on that hole specifically, if you miss this hole or this green, uh, I don't see how you don't make bogey. God or worse. Yeah. Uh, or worse. The other one, I mean, it's, it's baby brother number seven, I think 286 par three or 284. Yeah. I mean, so they mean they, they, but then the inverse of that, first of all, when you said there's an extra par three, there's an extra, extra par three, uh, apparently <laughs> the original 17th hole, and you can look it up and they, they did a challenge there today for charity. The original 17th hole, when they were doing their renovations, uh, Gil Hans, Hans and friends, when he was doing his, his thing, they found the original green and wow. they, they kind of unearthed it. They redesigned a hole around it and it, it, it now sits behind the current 17th hole. It was the original one used for about seven years, and then when uh, Thomas—I can't remember the guy's first name—but he was uh, one of the one of the famous Pennsylvania golf course designers up there with Tillinghouse and that kind of school of, of designs. He was do he was doing his redesign, and they just bla they just decided to get rid of it because people complained about it. it the shape of the green was funny. Uh, it was a little. That's going to be something that's going to blow people away because if you and that's the segue back to the 15th 124 yards but they say it's going to play at 94 they have a setup for it where it's going to play 94 yards it's going to be the shortest par three in the history of the u.s open but if you look at that green it is it's almost like a uh an in a reverse florida you know it's almost like this little peninsula <laughs> then sneaks up and goes back off to the right and john Rahm was talking about how fun you know how fun this course setup is because of holes like that and opportunities like that where he goes tour pros are going to be throwing it 20 30 feet or, you know, past the hole, trying to use this bank and spin it back, yeah. uh, you so know, coming off of uh, some of the, you know, a 620 yard par five. So 
it's a uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. It's not going to be traditional U.S. Open setup in the sense of narrow narrow fairways, mm. but these fairways do have such big undulations, and you have to go over. I think these are like barrancas, is the name of those. The, you're going to see them. The, they're, that's yeah. going to be the word of the weekend. I, I guarantee it. Barranca, yeah. because that's the geo or geographic feature, geological feature, whatever you want to say. Yeah, it's the ridge or the little gully that we would say that they're going to be hitting across in a lot of these holes. But that natural barranca was the barranca. was the was I guess an important feature they wanted to maintain from the original layout. So I'm I mean I'm pumped. I'm geeked out oh, for yeah. this U.S. Open. It's it's a West Coast U.S. Open. I'm a big West Coast U.S. Open guy because you get prime time golf for four days. I've mm -hmm. already warned the roommate. It's going to be, you know, that's just how it's going to you know, have to have to fly this weekend. It is Father's Day. This is the it one is. time that we get to, we get to put our foot down and say, not in my house. I'm going to go mow my lawn. And when I come in, I want to take that nap that leads me into the back nine on Sunday. Perfect. Actually, that's not going to, I'm, I'm not going to miss a minute of this. I'm, I'm yeah. very much looking forward to it. I am too. Before we get too deep into this, let's do take a quick break. We'll hear from uh, Underdog, and when we come back, we're going to give you some of our key stats, and we're going to start breaking down these price ranges for you and give you all of our picks. We'll be right back after this. Fantasy Sports Corp and Underdog Fantasy have teamed up to start your fantasy season off in the win column with Best Ball. What is Best Ball? It's quite simply the easiest way to win. No team management, no trades, no waivers. It's their biggest contest ever and it has only gotten bigger. You simply have to sit and win. You don't even have to set your lineup. Always get your best score every week. Just enter a contest, draft your team, and Underdog will do the rest. What could make this even better? How about free money? Up to $100 using our exclusive promo code. Go online now and use the promo code DIVPIV to double your deposit up to $100. You tell them Gingerbread sent you. Good girl. If you are a football fan, yes, Best Ball Mania is happening on Underdog right now. Get over there, join the Best Ball Mania uh, challenge. Uh, I know I got one lineup in there now. I will have a few more as the summer goes on and the landscape of the NFL changes. Uh, I will be updating uh, some, some newer drafts there. Uh, but as well, I'm over there playing uh, for the U.S. Open this week as well in some contests. So get over there, do your snake-style draft, have fun with it round by round on the PGA, and make sure you use that discount code DIVPIV, D-I-V-P-I-V. Let's get into it for the U.S. Open. This is what the people came to hear about uh, our key stats. The whole world turns and waits on our key stats, don't they? They do. One quick, one quick, one more quick comment about the U.S. Open. I also read that there's only going to be like 4,000 to 4,500 uh, patron or basically tickets for the public or, you know, at large for each day because they've got, they, I mean, because of the barrancas and some of the other, <laughs> the little layout of the place, um, they can only have like 20,000 people on site. And yeah. after you take away corporate affiliates and the membership getting their hat, their, their chunk of it into their friends and the, of course, uh, you know, you take care of the people and their player, you know, the player family and the, whatever gets given out. Um, that is only a smattering, but I guess that's just the way it's going to be. And I hope that this sets a precedent for, I don't want a permanent rota of uh, us open courses. Some people argue for that kind of the way that the open championship is pretty limited. Mm -hmm. In the course they're going to play. Uh, I like the idea of maybe one day in our lifetime, seeing it at Grove 23, if, you know, people start raising their fists and Mike, you know, they want to throw Michael Jordan a bone and say, let's put this on display. 
that kind of creative thinking. Um, but I also am super grateful for these traditional layouts that we get to see. So my key three strokes game putting, because again, I mentioned it earlier, these guys are going to be on unfamiliar greens for the first time. So I'm just saying whoever, whoever over the you know big sample that they take is ahead in that department. I think that's going to be a huge, you know, a huge thing. This, these course or these greens are massive, some of them, and they're definitely undulating. So strokes game. And also you have to putt the ball well to win a major championship. Ball striking is going to be the, of the second of three because it takes off the tee and approach adds mm -hmm. those together. And, and again, with an untraditional uh, U.S. Open layout off the tee, if you can use, if you can turn that into a weapon and seem to find the right parts of the fairways, like we said, they're they're wide, but they are you know slanted and sloped in in ways that if you don't hit it just right, you're going to roll all the way down to the bottom of this hill, have an awkward stance, maybe even be in that that really thick shit rough they talked about. So, ball striking is going to be the second and because there's an extra one, and I think it's going to be it's one of the hardest things to do is make a two in golf. I think strokes gain par three is my other uh, <clears throat> key three for this week. And I'm, I'm not too disappointed in the way things turned out in my rankings. Yeah. I, I uh, look, I don't mind that. I actually really like your key three this week. Um, Thank you. And we have some, some, we're actually quite different, but at the same time where I think we're tracking the same stats, but with a couple different, um, I guess, ways to track that. So as I, was, I agree, strokes gain putting, uh, strokes gained approach. Uh, I did stick with specifically off the tee, strokes gained off the tee. Um, and then I went with uh, bogey avoidance because I think that's going to be key this week, um, being able to realize the situations where you're going to have to be happy with par and not try to shoot yourself in the foot uh, by making a, a silly mistake. you got to play around here smart. Uh, and then I went um, – I'm actually going to change right here because I'm now unhappy with. Ooh, you calling an audible at the line? Yeah, I'm Omaha. unhappy with Omaha. this, but, and I'm going to steal one from you because I I did have a proximity in here, but the whole time I was in between two proximity, so I wasn't wasn't um quite satisfied with it completely. So I'm going to pivot, and my fifth one's going to be strokes gained what? par three as well because I, I really like that you had that in there. So I'm also going to use strokes gained par three. Is this because I beat the dog piss out of you last week in fantasy? What do you mean? You beat me by three and a half points. <laughs> that is all it came down to be yesterday. Is that really what it came down to? I didn't even know if I won. I, I was, I was, you, so, you won by three and I was so enthralled by the story of Adam Hadwin <laughs> getting smoked. And then I loved, uh, again, his wife's one of the greatest Twitter follows, follows out there. She tweeted out in true Canadian fashion. He apologized to the security guard that tackled him, which I thought <laughs> was really cheeky. Of course he did. got in your way and you wanted to tackle me. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I said... I appreciate that little head nod to the strokes gain par three, because again, making a two is tough and you're going to have to be able to make some of them. And then um, some of these other holes, who knows, maybe, you know, maybe that, that behemoth turns out to be, you know, just nothing but a timid little par three that actually goes maybe at like 3.2 at the end of the week, or maybe even two, yeah. because you mentioned that the way that it just kind of, everything feeds, to, you know, to the right spot. Uh, no, I think it's going to really be fun to watch these guys try to gauge that right and have it roll out and watch them like slinging their clubs in the air. So, what did you? What did your? What did your uh, model tell you about about your lineups this week? Where should your attention be? Do you want to start in the 10k and above range? Because I, yeah. I have to spend some money this week to stay with you know on my laurels. So I'd have to spend some money too, but honestly, the majority of my lineup. 
uh, is being built in the 7K range. Uh, so Ooh. we'll get to the 7K range later. Uh, and it's not that I don't like this higher price range. I think these guys are going to crush it. But there's right. a, there's just a ton of guys in that 7K and low 8K range um, that are popping out high in my model. Uh, so I have a nice balance, and, and I'm loving the value I can get there. But, yeah, let's let's jump into <clears> – <throat> we organize this by Saturday. Scotty Scheffler at the top and John Rump, both priced over 11000 um, both above 15, between 15 and 20% projected ownership too, um, which is outrageous to me to be paying that price and that ownership. I'm not doing it. Do I think they're both going to finish great? Are they both top five in my model? Yes, but I'm not spending my money there. Uh, the guy, I actually think Scotty's going to win this. I think he, he's, he's a storybook guy. He's already done all these other things. And now to come back to the place where I won the Walker cup, it was just so special. You know, I can just see the whole <laughs> thing, true. And you know, he's crying. So I do think he's actually going to win because also he's, you know, they've been, they made a big deal out of it. Uh, after the memorial, something like 12 straight top tens or 10 straight top 12s, one or the other. I can't remember which what it was, but you know, either way when he's, when he's not bringing his best game, you know, he was, he led the field, in ball or everything strokes gained everything other than putting at the memorial and he was dead last in putting and he still was kind of you know he's in that runner-up position so he's still pretty uh, dead last in putting honestly in this field. yeah but who gives a shit he's gonna sling it around there to 15 feet every time and you know some of those will drop uh yeah. you know maybe enough so i do think he's gonna win i agree i i can't i can't spend any money i can't spend that much money i'm already gonna tap myself with brooksy at 10 8 uh, I got, I got to always bet on Brooks. So for the DraftKings side of things, I don't, I, I don't think that there's any way that I would pony up that kind of dough. But um, if you're just looking to pick a winner, if you're just in one of one of those kind of scenarios, Scotty Scheffler is about as chalky as it gets, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler's a a great one and done pick. I, I, uh, I'll say this real yet. quick: Patrick Cantlay. I like Patrick Cantlay again with that yep. that kind of. He's another one of those Cali guys who has a little bit of familiarity with this place. Uh, so I would keep an eye on him because he's got the game that can hit it long and straight. He can roll it. We mm -hmm. saw it with the FedEx Cup run a couple of years ago. Well, that's the thing. In this lower 10K range, I get what you're saying with Brooks too because I like Brooks this week as well. Um, but I, I also really like both Cantley and Hovland uh, at 10-3 and 10,000 respectively. They, I think I think all three Brooks, Cantley, and Hovland um, can very easily work their way around this course. Um, and – I think let's see. Hovland is around sixteen percent ownership. Cantley around thirteen. Brooks also around thirteen. So out of out of that, I guess the order I would go is Cantley, Brooks, Hovland. Just when I'm balancing out my leverage and, and cost effectiveness there. I mean cost effectiveness there. All right. So nine K. I know you said you're a big seven K heavy lineups, but yes. talk to me about your thoughts on the nine K. So yeah, but I do same thing. I like guys here in the nine K that. They're they're mapping out well for me in this course. So I, I do like Rory, um, I do like Xander, uh, but Max Homa, ninety four hundred at under ten percent projected ownership right now. That's hard to ignore, especially for a guy who is familiar in this playing golf in this area on this course. I love that. I love the Max Homa play at ninety four hundred, and as well as Matthew Fitzpatrick at ninety one hundred under 9% projected ownership. The defending U.S. Open champ, obviously a different course, but still, Matthew Fitzpatrick, a guy who can play steady. So I like the two of them the most in this 9K range. Yeah, Fitzy, you know, Fitzy won Harbortown earlier this year. He's, 
you know, he's not exactly out of form and you know, yeah. all it takes is that little bit of swagger. I love the nine K range. Uh, I'm my model told me that Rory's going to going to is number one. So I'm actually probably going to give that a look, but I might mess around. I mean, I'm definitely going to mess around with some max home in the single digits. That's you can't, like you said, you can't ignore that. And luckily my model has some six K guys that, um, that I don't hate. And again, not necessarily mm -hmm. to win, but to, you know, to make the weekend and, you know, possibly make a bunch of birdies, especially a former champion. So that 9K range is incredibly juicy. Jordan Spieth, it feels like a Jordan <clears throat> Spieth kind of place because you can spray it a little bit. And it yeah. is going to take some just creativity with not having familiarity. And you got to have a wicked good short game. And when his short game's on, nobody's better with a wedge than he is. And this is a bunkerific uh, setup. That was part of the reason they brought in Gil Hans was to bring back some of the the bunkers that were featured in the original layout design fun fact the aforementioned short par 315th there's a little bit of debate over you'll see that green that i talked about how it's really slender in the front and then it you know kind of has goes up on a hill in the to the left and then you know feeds out to the back right yeah there's a big hump in the middle that separates front to back and rumor has it that it was a bunker for the first, you know, five minutes of of the course until members bitched about it, and then they filled it in. But they they can't really they can't really confirm or deny. But there are some uh, renderings from the original course designer where that bunker is drawn in there, and so that's why they think that that's what created that hump. That's going to be basically the the deciding factor on wherever the pin is behind that or in front of that. You got to be on that side to really have a shot at making a putt. But Jordan Spieth. Keep an eye on him this week. I, I mean, Colin Morikawa. He, he, you know, he comes out. They talk about strokes gained home life. He goes, "LA Country Club is home. I love this place. It would be so yeah. amazing." I mean, there, you know, sometimes that psychs themselves out of it. And sometimes that's but, all the fire, the, the firepower they need upstairs. Do we trust the back though? Especially given how thick this rough is. That's my big hangup because this feels like the type of week, the way it's set up, to where it could be very easily easy for him to to retweak. Yeah, backs are tricky things, man. A lot, of, a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of undulation in the around the course. Plus, we factor in this crazy thick rough. It sounds like it could be taxing on an injury this week. Very taxing, taxing yeah. on the back. So I'm probably gonna stay away from Colin Morikawa, even though he's he's around 10% projected ownership, which is very nice for a $9,300 guy. No, but but Max Homa at nine five, that's crazy. Xander it makes sense why he would be seventeen percent. He's a very yeah. popular, you know, thought for this place. Just kind of methodical, hits it a, hits it a mile and can throw darts with his his irons. <clears throat> yeah, I like Xander this week too. He pops up seventh in my model. Uh, so yeah, the nine K range is it's pretty looking pretty juicy as well. Here's the thing that I. Juicy. This whole tournament's looking juicy. I think this is going to be a great tournament. I think it's going to be a close tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of guys in the running. It, it just feels like we're setting up for a really good week. Uh, let's get into that 8K range, though, because once again, there's some... So this is probably the, the weakest range, in my opinion, where at least as far as my model goes, I get the most kind of disparity of um, guys ranking out like in the top 20 and guys ranking out worse than 70. Uh, so this is kind of a... a up in the air range for me. Obviously, I said earlier, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, 8914%. Feels like he's just on, he's in some amazing form, maybe the best form of his life right now. Um, number two in the field in putting. He's a guy at that price I would pay that ownership for right now because he's feeling it. And in, in the 8K range, unless you're talking about Hideki, which he is super chalk for an 8K guy, they're talking 14, 15%. 
an yeah. uh, 8K. Everybody else in the mid <clears throat> mid sing, mid single digits. I'm not going to say low, but everybody's in the mid single digits. Worth a worth a look if you like the way that they line up in your model. And I do like. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to turn down Sung J M if I mm. see him if he pops in my model. He popped at five. Uh, and so I might, might give him some love and then Sam Burns, come on yeah. down. He unlocked something the last few weeks. He's third in my model, 8,200 ownership is, is minimal. And, uh, and he's kind of, I think he's back on the Ascension. He stumbled a little bit, a little bit. He didn't fall, but he definitely went through something for a couple of weeks where he just played like dog shit. And then maybe he just reminded himself of, you know, the form that he was in about a year ago when he was a popular name, uh, especially yeah. heading into international playtime. <clears throat> Cam Young seems to have, he just doesn't rank out in my model, but when I saw yeah. him down there at 8,000, again, he's another one who can hit it a freaking mile and he's got all the shot shapes and he's got some close calls. Remember he had that runner up finish at the open championship when everybody was hoping that Rory was going to bring it home and Cam Smith, you know, snuck in there. Yep. Cam Young, I think he like eagled the 18th to bring himself into second place. And so he's he's primed for a breakthrough, might be here, but it doesn't map out for me, but it wouldn't shock me. DJ, yeah, it doesn't map out for DJ me. And his 8,300. Sorry, what was that? I talked over my bad. No, I just haven't stopped talking, but <laughs> Dustin Johnson at 8,300. Thoughts? Um. So here's the thing. This brings up a good point. When doing your research um, on these live guys – specifically they're they're most like for the most part they are going to rank out not as good as they probably are going to finish in your models because of the lack of pga stats for this season so if you're doing your last 24 rounds and that's how you rank it out like it's gonna be they're gonna be skewed to back further in the pack uh which means if the more and more people are using sites like fantasy national here you're going to be able to get these live guys at a fairly nice ownership discount because uh, people aren't looking out. Brooks is a little bit different because Brooks just, he's the major killer and he's like whatever. So he's going to be up there no matter what. But DJ under 10% ownership at 8,300, it, it feels pretty nice. He, he finished T48, the Masters, and then T55 at the PGA Championship. So he's not exactly, you know, tearing the cover off these, these leaderboards at the majors, but he's sticking around. He's making the cut and he's, he's there. You have to think at some point he's going to be able to break the top 25. Yeah. I mean, you just he... feel like this is the type of course where with the way he can control his shots off the tee, like this, this might well, be the, the perfect well, he setup. Plays for a, he plays a cut and that's all he plays off the tee, no matter what. But that said, yeah. he can play that cut any which way over whatever tree. <laughs> uh, yeah. I do think again, when you talk how long some of these holes are going to be and, some of these par fours that are really par three and a half, you know, there are some short, you know, let's see here. We got, you know, 330 par, par four that's drivable. There's another 380 par four that's, you know, almost drivable for these guys. So, you know, some of these, some of these longer hitters, like, 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 like Bryson down in the seven K range, um, who's projected at 10% ownership because he's a former U S open champion. He's in form, I guess, uh, you know, he's coming off of a fourth place finish of the PGA. And, and, and again, it just takes all it takes is a couple of, a couple of good swing thoughts, something to click and they remember who the hell they are. And so, yeah, I think the DJ, you know, that that's don't sleep on the live guys, uh, especially as good value plays. Where do you where do you land on the because this is another situation where Bryson's once again 
kind of changed the way he plays golf again. He he's gone back down to a slimmer uh, mm-hmm. body style, body type, body style, which is obviously gonna change. He's had to change his swing up to it to a to account for that. Um, just do you think it's just, he's it can be sustainable for him to keep consistently coming out to, and doing good here and there, but he's constantly changing. Now these yes. are professionals. This is what they do. I get that. But when compared to other professionals who aren't making these drastic changes, are you comfortable playing him in these situations? Yeah, a couple of reasons. A, he finished fourth at the PGA, you know, a month ago. But B, to your question, the golfers are are unique. Okay, now a lot of them. I mean, I'd say golfers are kind of like golf balls in the sense that you know, 80% of these guys are playing Titleist. And there's a reason for that because it Mm. seems to be a good ball that's reliable. So a lot of these guys follow similar routines and some of them like that consistency because it works for them. You know, you hear about guys who still have hybrids in their bag from Nike that Nike doesn't make clubs anymore. They don't even, you know, you can't find these things. I think Scotty Scheffler carries a, either a hybrid or a a three wood or something like that. That's a Nike Viper. Uh, You know, they find something, they stick with it. That works. Boom. That's it. Other guys, my like like Dustin Johnson's infamous for fucking around with putters and you know switching midweek sometimes if he's trying to figure something out. And I think Bryson's just one of those guys. He's a scientist at heart, so he's always going to be in the lab, quote unquote, you know, tinkering, trying to find an edge here and there, trying to figure things out. And golf is such an imperfect, uh, non-repeatable sport. And I think that drives kind of his brain crazy because once you figure something out, if everything, you know, if all the numbers add up, if the math adds up, then why didn't it just transfer? Because you can't, you can't account for the human element. So golf is a perfect beast for a brain like his. Uh, is he going to hurt himself along the way? Of course he is because, you know, he's experimenting. Literally things are going to blow up in his face. Uh, and then who knows though, every, you know, he might find the fountain of youth along his experimentation. And so his little love affair with the, the long drive, probably taught himself a lot about a his body but also b the possibilities with a golf ball so for a guy like him nobody thought he could win it and then he goes to winged foot which is a traditional narrow thick rough uh long u.s open and what did he do just blasted it past the trouble into the rough and then wedged it home every time so i think it's sustainable for him i think other guys are gonna stick to you know whatever works for them well said <laughs> that's i don't disagree with you I, I i just think it's been a question that people have had so i wanted to just get your take on it. i think so, it's uh, fair i think it's a fair criticism because it is out of the box it is atypical um you know it's the it's the face tattoo syndrome when you put a you know the person with the face tattoo and then you know you're staring at it and they're like what are you looking at man it's like what well, you have a tattoo you on your face yeah like Bri- bryson when you know he shows up and it's like why are you staring at me it's like because there used to be two of you and now there's you know this yeah like thing. So, I mean, I, I get the criticism and I, not even criticism, the curiosity about it. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's well-deserved, but I also think it's just kind of, he loves it. I think that's part of it. I mean, I, th- he, I saw him basically jump and invite himself onto podcasts. Uh, the other, I think it was the four play guys were recording one of their podcasts from, you know, from LA, the, from the country club and Bryson like walks over and hey, go, what's up guys. It's almost <laughs> like Bryson. Good. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, no, he's a fascinating character and I think he's going to, I think honestly, he's going to fill that void of people's lovable, although his nine, his nine 11 comments. Did you see that? Oh, I I wasn't even going to talk about him. 
and once again, because he didn't, he's probably a nice guy. And if you sit down with him yeah. and said, you hurt my feelings, like he would probably be like, listen, that wasn't my intention. I'm really sorry. Blah, 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 blah. But when, I, when, when somebody who doesn't, again, scientists like lab, like everything's got to line up. Now you're talking about politics and geopolitical inference from, you know, events past and how does just say, you know, I'm just a golfer trying to go out and, you know, earn some money and I'm glad that things are working out. And of course I can never imagine the horror and trauma that were inflicted and yeah. yada, yada, yada. We all try to do our best. He was a little too glib, a little too snippy about it, but I don't think he was so snippy that I won't play him for 7,600, even if he is 10% because he ranks out ninth in my model. And uh, I could really use that kind of, I would say, not leverage, but risk. Well, you open the floodgates. Let's hit this 7K range because, like you said, said, there's a lot to like in the 7K range. And uh, let's see, we've already already mentioned Tommy Fleetwood earlier in the show, 7,900, 12, 13% projected ownership. Uh, Feels like he is another Fleetwood week. Uh, but right below him at 7,800, Corey Connors uh, at under 8% projected ownership right now. Always another, does well in a major. Always does well in a major. And another guy who can who can really grip it and rip it down these fairways and, and keep it in the short stuff. So I like Corey Connors. Ranks out top 15 in strokes gained off the tee. So give me Corey Connors there. And then my favorite play in the 7K range uh, at 7,500 is Wyndham Clark. Ranks out first in my model, thirteen percent ownership. He he's playing fantastic in form, right now. Yeah, he's uh, in form. Uh, we played him just the other week, and he came through for us with the T twelve at the Memorial. So Wyndham Clark, another great play as well. Who do you like here in the seven K range other than uh, Bryson? I mean, starting right up at the top, you talk about form. Tommy Fleetwood, seventy nine hundred. Uh, I didn't even check to see what that ownership. It's probably going to be really chalky for 7,900. Yeah, so 12, not, is 12 to 13%. Yeah, so he, I mean, he is – but, I mean, when you see that name and the way he's been playing and right next to that price, it's you know it's hard to ignore. Yeah. Uh, okay. Probably won't – he's not – let's put it this way. He's not highlighted on my spreadsheet. So, he, you know, we're not dating yet. Uh, but I've, I've left him a couple voice messages. Hopefully he can get back to me. I like, I like Ricky Fowler cause of form and I want I the like stars aligning. It feels like he would be a good Hollywood answer to this, you know, 23rd in my model. Idem, Idem Scott. He does very well at Riviera and I'm not going to say that's a comp, a good comp course for this, but, um, he's been, he's been kind of creeping and I think he's got one more run left in him, uh, before he kind of goes the way of the, the president cup, president's cup captain for mm-hmm. the next 25 years. So I, I do like the two of them for kind of strokes gain home life uh, where Ricky's trending and Adam seems to be just kind of lurking. But outside of that, I have to jump down to the 6K range before I find people who I really want to give some love to. Mito Pereira is getting a ton of look uh, from people and he does rank out well in my model. Uh, and then right above him, Cam Davis, you know, at 17th in my model. Although Cam Davis always seems to fuck me every time I try to stand up for him. He's the new Brent. He's the new Brendan Todd uh, of this yeah. whole ship of this whole thing. S- Phil, what if, what, hear me out. Yeah. What if Phil wins? He, no. I mean, the guy, the guy played, what was he runner up at the masters? I know, he, I know. he can hit it. He can hit it a mile and <coughs> spray it. He's got a creative short game. Oh, what if, what if, what if, what if this whole agreement comes, what if (laughs) Phil Nicholson wins the U S open? It'll ruin my weekend. I would love it. 
I would. I just would. I <laughs> would I love be... it for the chaos that it would create? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Content. As someone who reports on golf, yeah, I would love that aspect of it. But as a he... fan, I would hate it. He's just pissed uh... me off too much in the last few months that I just can't find myself cheering for the guy. You know what? It would come down to the acceptance speech. He would have to either acknowledge <sighs> that he's, you know, that like we're moving on. This is kind of like a symbolic gesture. This is the way it's supposed to be. You know, all yeah. things happen for a reason. But, but he has not really shown that he's got that club in the bag. So if he wins, nope. man, I think the world would explode. Um, I, I would before, but real fast though, before we get too far into the six K range, there were just three more names out from. We're the still 7K in the seven K range. Phil's at seven. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I thought he was six nine hundred. You're right. He's at seven thousand. You're right. My bad. But still, Emotional before we get out damage. of damage. Three, no, yeah, more. go back up, go back up, because I'm I'm scrolling back up now, and there's guys that I can't believe I'm not giving a look to. Yeah, so so a couple of other names in the seven K range that I like this week is Joaquin Neiman, uh, seventy seven hundred, around 11 percent ownership. Um, I like Neiman. He's been other than a miscut at the PGA Championship, but he did well at the Masters. He did well at the Tour Championship last fall. So I, I like Neiman. Um, I also like where did he go? Uh, let me scroll for a second here. I also like uh, Eric Cole again this week. He's been in great form, seven thousand at under ten percent ownership. Eric Cole could uh, could bust through this week, and then kind of the wild card here, um, Austin Ekroat. Ekroat. I don't know how to say his last name. Ekroat. Is it? Oh yeah, I guess there's Ekroat. Austin Ekroat. Seven uh, K and under seven percent projected ownership right now. Um, He's made five straight cuts uh, for a total of 19 out of 30 on the year so far this year. Uh, I like him to be able to just kind of make the cut and hang close, maybe maybe end up with a top 40 finish. Remember when, I dated, that... remember when I dated Ben Griffin for a few tournaments because he went on yeah. and he had that one hot hand? Austin Eckroat's on the run that I thought Ben Griffin was going to have. <laughs> it, but So it's, it's worth noting he did finish t- t- uh, second at the AT&T as well. Uh, so, and what well, T16 at the Charles Schwab. So, um, I like Austin, uh, this week, and that's to round out the 7K range for me. Should we get into the 6K range? I know you're, you're jazzed about the 6K range. I just have a couple of guys that are going to allow me to actually play Rory and Brooksy in the same line, in a same lineup. And that's, sure. uh, Patrick Rogers actually ranks out sixth in my model. Uh, it's weird. He, he popped up for both of our models because he's ranked pretty well in mine as well. And he's someone and, who is never ranking well. And that's why I went back and I wanted to see like, you know, what was, you know, what's the gig? What am I missing? Nothing. 30th at the Memorial, you know, yep. he made the cut at the Charles Schwab top 30 in uh, the PGA championship. Uh, tenth of the Mexico no one pays attention to him anymore. Yeah, top twenty, the RBC, fifth of the Valero. So, I mean, he has a miscut at Corrales Putacana and the players. So, but I mean, he's been finding his form. So, yeah. uh, you know, I can't, I can't overlook that. And then the other one is Martin Keimer. Martin Keimer, being a former U.S. Open champion himself, yeah. um, I, I, you know, I got him. At, you know, was it sixty five hundred? And he's eighth yeah, that's in my a nice model cheap price. He's the perfect example of do I think he's going to win? No chance in hell, but I think he's going to make the cut. And so, you know, 6,500, that's all I'm hoping for. And if he catches lightning in a bottle, he catches lightning in a bottle. He has a little chip on his shoulder because of all this live stuff. And, you know, know, sometimes that's all, again, sometimes these guys get complacent. And Martin Keimer, it's been a long time since he won his major championships. And so maybe that's all it takes is a little spark to remind everybody that, yeah, we can still play some pretty damn decent golf. Uh, that's fine. I, I 
I won't be playing any Martin Kahn, but I'm gonna let you ride that one. But uh, that's fine. The other the other six K guy I like is at sixty nine hundred, and that's Carson Young at under four percent ownership right now. Uh, Carson Young ranks a uh, top twenty in putting in the field and in strokes gained approach, and also fifteenth in strokes gained par three in this field. He's missed only one out of his last five. Uh, he's missed only one cut out of his last five appearances on tour. Uh, finished T43 last week at the RBC Canadian uh, T21. He hasn't played in a major, in any of the majors yet this year, so this will be his first major appearance this year. Uh, but he's in pretty good form right now, and I, I like this how he lines up with the course and with our stats here. So Carson Young for a discount at 6,903 to 4% projected ownership. Come on down. And somebody who I'm probably not going to play, but it's going to be fun, and they're in the 6K range, is Wilco Niamimbar or whatever the hell is Niamimbar. He's one of those DP World Tour guys, but he hits the ball an absolute mile. Nobody mm-hmm. – I mean, it's 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 stupid. He's tall and lanky, and he uses all that all that leverage to launch it. Uh, he's going to be somebody just fun to watch. I was just scrolling at the bottom of the, the barrel there to see if there's any of those – if there's any fun, familiar names, not to play, but just storylines this week. Uh, any of these kind of qualifier types like Nick Dunlap is a fun kid who won the U S junior amateur. And so I'm pretty sure that's how he got, he punched his ticket to this. And so those are some of the fun things that I like to follow. I love it. Those are the fun stories. Any other U S open facts or storylines we should be watching out for this week, man, other than just, everything going on in golf in general no i think it's i think it's going to be um the the questions about the saudi thing is not going to die it's not going to go away what is interesting in all of this is the first u.s sport golf sports golf team was sold uh and it was in the tiger league did you hear about this oh i hadn't heard about this yet no and it is curious because you mentioned earlier i we really haven't heard from tiger yet and that is i hadn't realized that but I'm interested, so we'll stay in tune for that. But, yeah, tell me about this. So we all know that Tiger's got his indoor league, the TGL, that's going to be starting next year. And I guess it's moving forward because it's you know it already had the blessing of the PGA Tour to begin with, and it had some of these prom- you know promises from you know John Rahm and Adam Scott and JT yeah. and Rory. You know, I mean, this star-studded event. Well, I guess the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus Williams, along with uh, who's this Alexis Ohanian, by golf franchise in Tiger Woods developed league. So they are the owners of uh, the first. I don't even know what the team name is supposed to be. The Los Angeles TGL franchise. So I guess they haven't named the team yet. But uh, Ohanian is also the principal owner of Angel City uh, Football Club, the, the hugely successful. NWSL franchise while Serena has a minority stake in NFL. Oh, I didn't know that. Serena Williams has a minority stake in the uh, Miami Dolphins. So um, there you go. Oh, there's a I new podcast out about, I can't remember who it was. I was listening to DP and he had him on, uh, but there's a new podcast out that is looking specifically at sports franchise owners uh, like Russell Crowe, I guess owns his childhood rugby rugby team. And like Natalie Portman owns the California angels or the Anaheim angels. Like that's what? Uh, you know, so it's 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 that kind of stuff that uh, is fun to follow. But yeah, there you go. Sport, what, what do we say? Team golf was going to come to the, the states, and it has. And the first franchise is alive. Yeah, we'll I, see what I, it looks like in January. That's the part where I want to know is like how much did Tiger know, and and how arrogant do you have to be to think that you know you you could do this without 
his input at all. I had to be on the inside. If there's anybody well, do you think who that's was, why he's been quiet so far that we haven't heard him from because we haven't heard there's been no sound bites or comments or anything out from Tiger since this merger, right? I don't think there so, has been. 59 minutes and 30 seconds in before the first Aaron Sorkin reference, there's a there's a line where there's a line where they're talking about there's some information leaked out from one of the kind of private campaign meetings. And uh, Toby, I think, says, you know, there's a saying that those who those who know don't speak and those who don't know speak or some shit like that. Basically, like people who people who want to act like they're in the know are the ones that are out there with, you know, running their mouths. And then the people who actually have the information or who actually are in the know know to keep their mouth shut and just, you know, let let things run its course. Everybody has their job to do. And maybe Tiger's job is just to be Tiger and do his thing. And they did let him know or, you know, it's like Rory said, he got a text message from Jimmy Dunn the night before. Um you know, kind of saying like, Hey, we need to talk tomorrow. This thing's happening. And here's the, here's kind of the lay of it. So I, I I guess we'll find out in time. Maybe, maybe not. Tiger Woods is one of the most guarded, you know, lock boxes of information who saw the whole thing coming, you know, with the Perkins waitress and the, and the prostitutes and the call, like (laughs) who who knew that Tiger had the freak side to him. So I don't know. I, 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 all I know is it's us open week. And play is going to start in a couple days. And if you're sleeping on Brooksy, you are insane because the man looks determined. It's major season. Major Brooksy is a thing. And I'm dying to know if he's just fucking with us with the Traveler's comment or does he know something we don't know? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's no, way. There's no way in hell any of these guys are showing up at the PGA Tour event anytime yeah. soon. But who knows? We'll see. There could be new details any second. Any they're day. coming. They're coming out every day, and I got a feeling exactly. that maybe they just gave us a little nibble to remind us that on the other end of the U.S. Open, there's going to be more to come. Well, um, I can't. Even, they might I can't not want to overshadow that. the U.S. Open. This could all be strategic time, and they had to let some out because it was happening. Right. We'll see. Mm. We'll see. Exciting we, time in the golf world. Stick around. we'll be here every tuesday eight o'clock on fantasy sports corporation uh but it's like a duck boat going into the water where it might look a little clunky but we land safely every (laughs) single time and that's that's not little flips and turns along the way but uh, it is Tea Time Tuesday here on Fantasy Sports Corporation, so you can expect the guys over at Plus Money Golf. I confirmed this first this week, 10 p.m. Uh, later on tonight, right here on Fantasy Sports Corporation. Tune, check them, ugh, check them out. Tune get, in. Get They're going to have everything for you to win some money outside of DFS on the U.S. Open this week. So get over there. We'll stay right here, hang out for an hour. We'll see you next week. We'll see you on the other side. We'll see what news comes out after the U.S. Open, if there is any more big news, and we'll be right here for you. We'll see you next week. Love you all.